So you're a leader of color. Yeah. Would you say you have a diverse staff? No. Nope. <laughs> how does that how does that work for you? It's hard. You know, we, we, we have to navigate um I think a lot of tension um, and healthy tension, but we got to navigate yeah. the tension around um, the baggage that we all bring. And I say baggage in a positive way. Like we all bring our experiences. We all bring uh, the things that we know. It's different for me because, uh, you know, we're in a white dominant community. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. What up, folks? This is Leroy Barber with Sit Up Podcast, and we are, as usual, thankful for you. Thankful for you listening along and following uh, this story with us and this journey to, uh, as, we, as we together uh, talk and listen to and explore the many voices that will come through this, this Sit Up Podcast. You know, we try to do this thing in a relaxed uh, atmosphere. We don't we don't we don't really want it to be kind of this like intense interview. We want it to be more relationally connected. And so we try to bring that tone to things. You can reach us, though, you know, at, at, uh, at on Facebook at Sit Up Podcast. Uh, also, if you got some questions, comments, concerns, thoughts about shows, hit me up at Leroy Barber on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, and uh, we'll get some of those shows and ideas on and even even get some of your questions out there. Uh, shout out, as usual, to Amina Brown and Matt Owen for our music, our intro um, that we that we use on the show. And uh, thankful to to artists that provide uh, those connection points for us. So today, a few questions. Do you what is a none and a done it's a it's a term right out here in the northwest i don't know that i i i didn't hear of it actually much before i came to the to the northwest um but what is a none and a done uh what 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 relevance does that have on the church out here what uh what is it like if you are a person of color pastoring or leading a white church or white folks what does that what does that look like how does that feel what do you what do you have to think about what do you what do you gotta uh concentrate on what 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 do you pay for that is there a tax that you pay as a person of color leading in a majority white space what do you think about pks pastors kids Right. Do, you, do you think they're weird? Right. Uh, uh, now, I'm a pastor and I got six kids, so y'all need to be careful with this one. But what do you think? Huh? How do they see the world? Right. Like what what what's their spirituality like? What do they think about the church? Are you PK? Are you weird? Right. I'm talking about my own kids here, so I don't think I'm offending. Hopefully not offending too many of y'all with that question. But like, are these some weird folks? But are, are you mad at God? What it what do people who are mad at God say about God? What do, what do people who are angry at the church say about the church? What do they think? What's their spiritual life look like? Is there a spiritual life if you're mad at God? Right? That's a question. 
Should a church be in the role of making policy? Policies that affect all people, right? Policies around justice or injustice. Policies around transportation and food and housing. Should the church be involved in that? Do we have a role in that space? What about white folks who work for leaders of color? If you work for a leader of color, how is that? What, what do you change? What do you have to get used to? What, what's different? We asked the leader of color what's different for them, but what's different for you if you're going to a church or to a job or uh, to, to a space where the leader, the persons in charge are not white, they're leaders of color. You ever heard the term model minority? Some say that's a myth. Is it a myth? Is there truth to it? What does model minority mean? And then, you know, there's this question of like, this show is produced by uh, the Greater Northwest uh, UMC. So what is a Methodist, <laughs> right? You ever think about that? Like, like, what is that? What does that mean? Who are these folks? It's the third largest denomination in our country. So what is it? Maybe you haven't thought about that before. Today's guest is Joe Kim. He is a United Methodist pastor in Seattle, Washington at Bothell United Methodist Church. He is a leader of color and we're going to get to ask him and listen to his process around that. This is Leroy Barber. This is the Sit Up Podcast. Let's begin. Listen. And let's be clear, you only get one chance, one opportunity, one request to appear, one moment to consider what you might hold dear, a few seconds to digest what might be coming near, a quick check of which direction you may want to steer. Maybe God is pro-choice. He gave each of us a will, a mind, a voice, and whether we will make statements, speak truth, or add to the noise is up to us to take the dust we've been given to treat our seconds like cents and watch how we spend them, to use our words like olive branches in the mouths of birds and watch where we send them. Take the negative thoughts we were taught, take our wounded souls and hearts and let God mend them. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen, stories to tell, battles to win. Deep breath and count to 10. Let's begin, let's begin, let's begin, let's begin. Let's begin. Welcome into the Sit Up Podcast. I'm Andrew Morgan, your producer, Leroy Barbara, and I are here in Boise, Idaho. And what we're doing is the same thing we did in Tampa. We're grabbing individuals and we're finding out what they're doing in the kingdom of God. And right now we have a great man with us. Leroy was excited uh, for me to sit down and do this interview with him. Joe Kim. Can you uh, introduce yourself and explain to people who you are? Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, my name is Joe Kim, and I currently serve as lead pastor of Bothell United Methodist Church in Bothell, Washington, just north of Seattle. Yeah. So what's the what's the spiritual temperature there? Like, what what is it like up in the Seattle area? Yeah, I think we get a, a bad rap uh, nationwide when we hear words like nuns and duns, and we explore what that means Um and I, I think there's there's truth to that. You know, I grew up in Ohio, and I spent a lot of my public ministry in New York before coming to Washington. And I always say that uh, people ask me, you know, what's what's the biggest difference between doing ministry in New York and in Seattle? And I say uh, 
people in New York went to church because they're supposed to. Yeah. People in Seattle choose to go to church. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a different kind of spirituality, right? Like right. when I was serving in Harlem, people were like, yo, my grandmother took me here. My mama took me here. And this is why I'm at church today. In Seattle, I would go to bars and I'd talk to people about spirituality nonstop. But then the moment I bring up church, I say, no, 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 I'm good. I don't yeah. need any of that religious thing, right? And so it's yeah. a different kind of spirituality that we're trying to explore. But it's full. Like yeah. what's cool about Seattle is that I think people choose to come together and that's the spiritual part for the community that I get to serve. So yeah, and, and that that brings me to a question that, that just sparked when you said that. What is as a pastor, what not not that I'm gonna ask you to rank it, but <laughs> but what's what is the difference between someone who has been traditionally uh, conditioned to religion and the person who's going out of a sincere like, hey, I just actually want to give this a try. What, what's kind of the difference there for you? That's a good question. It's a really good question. Because we have those folks too, because Seattle is also a transplant city, right? We got these right. big businesses, we got tech companies coming through, recruiting people from all across the country, all across the world for that matter. And so there's a lot of folk who come through who, you know, who know that old school, like I grew up in church, so I'm going to go to yeah. church. Or I grew up in church, and so I'm going to bring my kids to church. And that's a, you know, I would say that's a good proportion of the people. But I think the difference is that it becomes out of their own interest. Right. It's yeah. not that it's not that thing that I know that's familiar from way back when. It's now what is it that I am receiving from, from God, from the spirit? How do I connect with people? And that's what draws me to church. And I think that's the thing that really sets apart um, the Pacific Northwest and especially Seattle in its terms of spirituality right now is that people are willing to be part of something bigger than themselves. So what are some of the things that your church is doing that you're a part of? What are some of the, the bigger projects? Yeah, so we have an amazing uh, uh, associate pastor who's uh, our deacon on staff. Um, she is our associate pastor for community engagement. And so her role is really to connect the church to the community and then the community to the church. And we're not going around saying, hey, we need you on Sunday morning or anything like that. It's, hey, how do we become part of the community? Because we really believe that God calls us to love one another. And so what does that look like? And so, again, the, role, the goal is not to get people into the seats. The goal is how do we say that we want to be in a life-giving relationship with you? And so, you know, she's, she's been uh, representing us in a lot of the interfaith coalitions in our area. She's been working on uh, uh, homelessness and providing uh, extreme weather uh, uh, winter shelters. She's been really just trying to make a presence known. But I think in the church, too, what we're doing is we're creating spaces for people to connect, right? Like white suburbia is one of those places where, like, I could, I could, you know, Amazon, right? Like, I can order my groceries literally, and two hours later, it's going to come into my house, right? It's going right. to be on my doorstep. Uh, we don't have to meet each other. We don't have to see each other if we don't want to. I get in my car, drop off my kid, go to the grocery store, put my head down, and come home, and I'm good. And so what we're doing is we're saying, what are the opportunities for people to connect small group ministry, core group ministry, discipleship opportunities, fellowship opportunities? The more we can get people to be present, we feel like the spirit can really move and create new things out of that place. Yeah. So let me ask you, let, let's take this back a step and let me ask you about yourself. What's your background that led you to a place like Seattle? Yeah, that's, you know, loaded. Um, so I grew up as a pastor's kid. My dad and my grandfather are, are both uh, pastors or were pastors uh, before my, my grandfather passed. Um, and so for me, I always knew that faith would be part of my life, but I never wanted to be like working for the church. Right. But 
you know, and I think that's a common story for a lot of PKs, our pastor's kids, is that we, we see the ugly, right? And so we don't want to be part of something that we've experienced either hurt or experienced uh, whatever, the trauma from that. Um, but I experienced God in a, in, a, uh, in a trip that I took, a short-term mission trip, where um, I just got mad at God, right? I just got mad at God for, because I experienced this kid. I met this kid about 10 years old, HIV AIDS, um, dying literally in a crib in front of our team. And the mom comes out and she's like, hey, can you pray for our kid? Pray for my kid. He's dying from AIDS. And I'm like weeping. I'm a mess. And I get home from this trip completely um, shutting God out, right? Like you, you, you claim to be this God. Like you want to you wanna do all this stuff? Like you're omnipotent. You're like all powerful. You're, you're in control, blah, 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 blah. All these thong- songs and all these verses that we've memorized. And in the stillness after that kind of wave, um, I felt God... Uh, uh, place on my heart, hey, you do something about it. What What is your yeah. role going to be <laughs> in this kingdom building work? Like yeah. You've seen now yeah. the world. What What are you going to do? And so uh, I actually spent a lot of time doing advocacy work, so public policy um, at the UN uh, with the General Board of Church and Society of the United Methodist Church, and then later on in Washington, D.C. as the Director of Children's Rights Advocacy. And so uh, my background is in policy and social justice, um, really creating spaces for people to talk, but also strategies for mobiliza- mobilizing and organizing around a lot of these issues. I got a question for you yeah. about that before we kind of continue. It, what place does the church have in that type of a role (laughs) yeah yeah i I think everything like if we're not speaking truth to a society then we're being followed we're we're following what society is leading and i i don't think that that's the kingdom that jesus imagined when he was preaching way back when when he was creating this anti-imperialistic, anti-top-down, um, um, anti-the uh, rich would get rich and the poor get poor, when he was preaching these messages, um, this, this literally turning the world upside down messages, um, I feel like we got to be stepping into those ste- uh, uh, footsteps and, uh, and, and ensuring that we're uh, following that ministry. And so I think that we need to be in spaces, public spaces, that claim the possibility of something better. Um, I, I don't think this world is what God intended. And I think that um, our role as a church is to be that voice and to be that agitator, be that um, constant. Um, there's there's a possibility of something more. Yeah. Um, and so in those halls of power, I mean, someone's going to take lead. And if it's not the church, then we're going to let uh, greed and, 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 and hate and war. And we're going to let those things dictate, you know, um, the way that the world works. And I just, I can't allow that. I can't deal with that. Yeah. What are some of the things that, brought you to this place where now you have this prior knowledge yeah what do you you know what are some of the things that you're doing to implement both of those worlds that past world of knowing policy and now being you know in front of a congregation how does that blend right so when i was doing the policy work you know i would go into you know lead workshops or be a speaker or whatever trainings and i would you know just drop information and then two days later i could leave Right. And I was like, oh, it's up to you. Clean it up. Right. To the leaders or the pastors or whatever. And, you know, I felt like I did a, you know, all in a day's work. Now it's the journey of how do I get my people um, to uh, experience that transformation, even in themselves, that they want to be in this kind of ministry with and to the community. If I can't journey, if I can't really um, propel the congregation to want to do this kind of ministry, I'm not sure if I'm doing my job well. Yeah. Right. That's good. That's good. 
So how what size of a congregation do you have? Yeah, so we have about 400 on Sunday morning. Yeah. So how do you balance that? It's hard. It's really hard. And, you know, some of it is I don't have the capacity to know everyone, right? I don't yeah. have the capacity to know their stories. I don't have capacity to know their passions, um, what makes their hearts hurt, you know, and it's not going to be the same for everybody. And so, um, you know, I really spend my time empowering and investing in some of the leadership. We have a governing board structure that we're um, pushing to be visionaries in our community. And how do we get the governing board to look at the world around us and say, what is our what is our church's role within that community? Um, and then we're, we're creating disciples by creating more disciples, right? Like, yeah. I'm not going to know everybody, but you might know somebody who might know somebody else. And if I know your story and you know their story and they know their story, then now we're creating a community where we can have one heart. So, uh, you know, in 2019, 20, I said in 2019, uh, my word personally is alignment. How yeah. do I get my heart aligned to God's and make sure that that's good? But also, how do I get my heart aligned with my leaders and how do I get our leaders' hearts aligned with the congregation and the community? And how do we uh, connect those places of uh, different layers? So you're a leader of color. Yeah. Would you say you have a diverse staff? No. (laughs) Nope. How does that that work for you? It's hard. You know, we we, we have to navigate... um, I think a lot of tension um, and healthy tension, but we got to navigate yeah. the tension around um, the baggage that we all bring. And I say baggage in a positive way. Like we all bring our experiences. We all bring uh, the things that we know. It's different for me because, uh, you know, we're in a white dominant community. It's white suburbia. It's uh, middle to upper class, uh, but it's shifting a little bit. So it's middle to upper class and a growing white uh, houseless population. And so there's a lot of uh, intersectionality there of, of, of economics and, and race. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a constant um, reminder for me and for the staff and for the leadership um, to say what baggage are we bringing. And it's hard work on me as a person of color, I think, to have to constantly navigate that. But that's what, something that we've all done forever. What has been some of your prior challenges as, as a man of color and, and really – of color is a broad term. We like using sure. it because it keeps us all together. Sure. But give us a breakdown on on um, on who you are and how you identify as a as a person of color. Right. So I grew up in Ohio, and Ohio is very white too, especially the rural towns of where we grew up. You know, my dad was a pastor, and we went to a lot of these rural communities, and um, it was really hard to find your place, right? But I'm an Asian American, so I'm Korean American. And being Korean American, um, there's that myth of model minority um, and this ability to navigate between um, different races and different cultures, you know, and, and it's often we've been um, put in a box based, uh, I, I would argue, put in a box to be uh, not expressive, to, to not share, to not cause scenes, to, to kind of just keep my head down, study hard and make my way out of whatever it is so that I can be part of a system. Right. And so um, my background has been um, in a lot of white communities. Um, I think that that helps me uh, articulate and navigate a lot of the systematic or systemic um, the infrastructure of which we operate, right? But it's it's not something that is, uh, I, I don't know what the experience would be if I was a black man or a black woman or if I was a, a Hispanic man or a Latino, Latina, or Latinx, right? I don't know what that would look like because I think, um, I wonder if it's less threatening that I'm an Asian American man um, yeah. in this community. Yeah. 
So what have you done uh, within your church right now? Yeah. Um, to talk about these things, yeah. To, yeah. to bring them to the forefront. Right, right. Um, every Sunday uh, when I get in front of the congregation, um, it's just fact that I'm different to 80% of our congregation, 85% of our congregation. And so I'll talk about those experiences. I think the struggle is how to make my experiences relevant to this worshiping community that is mostly white, right? How do we get, how do, how do I preach a message of the gospel that make it contextualized to my white, majority white congregation um, when the experiences may not connect? And so for me right now, I'm looking at a lot of information, a lot of, like people just gotta know. If you don't know, you can't feel it, right? And so we've been doing a, um, like Black History Month, uh, we're in Women's History Month. We've been, uh, every time I pray, I talk about systemic oppression. I, I'll just say it every time, no matter what. You know, God, just forgive us for our systemic oppression, the way that we've been part of the institutional hate and violence, right? These things, um, and I know there are people who don't want to hear that, but that's the reality of the world we live in. And if I'm not going to say it, who is going to say that? And yeah. I have the space to, I have, I have the positional power as pastor, but as a person of color, you can't negate my experience. Right? Yeah. And so that's going to be, I think, the constant tension of how far to push um, so that, I mean, the, the goal isn't to ostracize these white folk, right? The, the goal isn't to push them away and to say, y'all suck. <laughs> and yeah. to, you know, right, I don't want to be in this relationship with you. The goal is how do we continue to be in this covenant relationship because we've claimed to follow this Jesus together. We've claimed that we want to follow this Jesus together. How do we do that? with integrity and authentically. Yeah, that's good. So what? how has the current political climate in the state of America really affected your uh, relationships with some of uh, some of those parishioners? Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, but I admit that it sometimes it hasn't, right? Because I think that there's, you know, an internal struggle, an internal fear of how this will be received, right? Um, I want to keep my job. Right. Yeah. You know, and there's there's that constant struggle of how do I lead well um, at the same time, you know, especially, you know, with the, so the United Methodist Church, the general conference that just happened and we're getting a lot of those news. Um, we will we've said it again and again as leadership. We are unashamed that we mean all when when we say all means all we literally mean all. Right. right. And and so now we're pushing the boundaries of sexuality and color and status and economy and special needs, right? And gifts and all of these things. And we're trying to make sure that uh, we're not, um, we're trying to make sure that we are being a space that people can gather. And I'm not sure if we do that well, not right. yet. Not yet, but not you, yet. you've got a mission and uh, a plan to- Amen to that, we're man. trying. So it's speaking of, of some of these things, what does it mean for you at this point? Cause you're a Methodist. Yes. What does that mean? I don't know, no more. Um, I said that jokingly. Um, for me, being Methodist is rooted in the Wesleyan theology, right? And this idea of grace and prevenient grace and, and how we understand scripture. You know, I, the church is going to be the church, right? Flawed human beings that we just continue to want power and struggle over um, things that give us power and that give each other power and take away power from others. And I think that's just going to be the church. Um, it doesn't excuse it, but if I can get my mind wrapped around that reality, then I can focus on the hard mission of transforming lives. Yeah. And so that's how I feel like uh, my ministry's lived out. Um, United Methodist or not, you know, I, I want to serve my people. I want to lead them closer to God and to each other. And so um, 
here in the West, you know, there's a lot of articles and news coming out about, um, you know, what what will the West do, right? We're we're kind of looked upon by uh, the broader denomination and even the country, I would say, of uh, a little bit more uh, progressive, right? We've had the first uh, African American woman bishop, first Asian elected bishop. We've we've gone through these things, uh, first uh, openly out uh, bishop, right? And so, how do we uh, push forth that? And I think we're all wrestling with that. Um, I don't know if the goal is unity anymore, right? I don't know if that's where we want to be, if that means it's injustice for a whole group of people. Yeah. Right. And so uh, our church is struggling with that. We have a, a, we just approved a wedding policy last year, 2018, um, that said that um, we're going to allow for our space, our sanctuary, to be a place where same-sex weddings can happen. And that's directly in contradiction to the Book of Discipline. The Book of Discipline already states that that can't happen, even before what happened in 2019. And the uh, our church, Bothell, said that if a clergy person chooses to do a wedding, uh, we'll support them in whatever ways that we can, financially, legally, prayerfully, spiritually, whatever. And so we've, we've taken a stance as a local church to say we won't stand for this injustice. Um, now we're looking to our conference, we're looking to our jurisdiction to say, what is this new thing that we might be birthing? Whether United Methodist or not, you know, and I'm not calling for a new thing outside of United Methodism, but I'm saying, what is this new thing, this new era that God is leading us into in this time? Good, good, man. You've given us, this has been great. I've, uh, I feel like we just got started, but our time right. is, is already up. <laughs> Have fun. I mean, but you, you've hit on the injustice, and that's yeah. one of the things that, that's in the sit-up podcast. That's what the ugly is. It's all about the injustice, and you're doing some great things to to fight, and that that's all we can really ask. Is there anything more uh, you would want to say uh, before we get out of here? No, this has been fun, and I appreciate all of the work that you guys are doing to promote um, the ways that we can do ministry better together, so I appreciate this. All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thinking, live life like you know the clock's ticking. On your mark, get set, ready. Let's begin. 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 Let's begin.